Hello, my friends. Welcome back to Detox Podcast. I am Denise Walker, your host. If you're new here, welcome. Detox Podcast is a deep dive into my poetry collections, Pick Your Poison on Addiction and Recovery. Every episode, I dissect one of my poems. I go into it to describe my emotions, my experiences, and I present it to you in this way in order to create a place of solace, understanding, and relatability. Let's dive in. Hello, welcome. Today is episode 10. I'm skipping a poem because for the life of me, I couldn't come up with something to talk about for it. (laughs) So I'm sure we'll do it later when my brain has enough time to process and think about something that would actually relate to the poem itself. Um, Otherwise, it would just be me kind of talking about where the poem came from. And not that that's wrong or anything, but I don't think there is that much substance there yet. I want to I want to give you more quality than just a tiny story. So we'll get back to that one, but this one today is called Let me just look at my page here. Oh my goodness. It's called sheep/sleep. Some fucking buzzwords for you. Oh man, sheep/sleep. And Yeah, I'm going to get into the buzziness of that. Uh, But first, I wanted to mention that I've got a new offering. It's called Club Steady. And I alluded to it in some past episodes, but it is ready to rock now. We are going to be doing a community addiction self-recovery circle called Club Steady. And it's going to be on the first Sunday of every month. Uh, We're going to start out virtual, um, so you can join from anywhere if that's something that you're interested in. It's going to be through City and Soul, so uh, if by the time you're listening to this, uh, it's still not up, it will be very soon, and you can access it through uh, cityandsoul.ca slash workshops. That's where it will be, and there will be just some a low sliding scale uh, to join, Uh, just for, yeah, just for our time. And so every session will be like an open sharing circle about addiction and any type of addiction, essentially. So whether it be alcohol or drugs or money or work or scrolling through your phone or sex, love, whatever, whatever it is, you don't have to be sober or, uh, Ooh, I should say food too. Food. If you're struggling with food in any any um, capacity, you're so welcome to come join us. It is not just for like alcohol or not just for cocaine or like something like that. It's for all of it. It's to find community support together. And you don't, yeah, you don't have to be sober. You don't have to be um, actively in recovery. You can just be curious about recovery um, or if you're struggling with whatever it is, kind of this pick your poison type concept that I have with my poetry. So whatever it is that's kind of stealing life from you and stealing joy and happiness and disrupting your equilibrium, that's how I define uh, a poison or that's how I define a negative 
um, addiction. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, hit up cityandsoul.ca slash workshops and sign up. We will love to have you there. I am really pumped. I've wanted to do something like this for a while and finally it's coming together. So yeah, hopefully we'll see you there. Let's get into this poem. Sheep slash sleep. <laughs> okay, it's a short poem. Four lines. And it goes like this. It is so much easier to be like them. It is so much easier to stay asleep. You must find a reason that feels better than the absence of the pain. I'm going to repeat that last line for you. You must find a reason that feels better than the absence of the pain. <clears throat> Excuse me. This poem is about waking up from addiction. The slumber of addiction. And being in the intoxicating mindset that drinking solves all your problems, that it is socially accepted and expected to drink after a hard day, to celebrate your wedding with champagne, to toast to any achievement, to celebrate your birthday with shots, And when you wake up from that, and when I say wake up, it means going from one belief system to another and seeing it from a higher perspective, seeing it from a sober perspective, sober meaning not only just without an intoxicant, but also a, a stance of clarity, clarity of mind. And being able to see the insidious situation for what it really was. And when you do this, when you wake up from addiction and you see just how intense it all was. And seeing your patterns and how they played out. And seeing the people that you were hanging out and how they, they fed in to the cycle the people you're hanging out with and how they fed into the cycle and all the different pieces of the puzzle. You see big alcohol and their influence on our society. We see TV and media showing uh, high level execs pulling a bottle of aged scotch out of their desk drawer. Like that's somehow appropriate and uh, sharing these secret glasses with specific colleagues and peers, some sort of rite of passage in so many aspects of our culture, even having a specific age in which the gate keeper stands aside and you get led into this secret garden of existence within our culture. Some places it's 16, 18, 21, whatever it is. 
we are conditioned to believe that once we reach that age, we now have the key to this door that had since been locked. And now we get access to that secret garden. And <laughs> that in itself, this forbidden fruit aspect creates a tantalizing experience, desire. It creates desire and it's already there. Once we see that for what it is, we then see all the people who are still wrapped up in it. And it starts to create this sort of like us versus them mentality, which we see in a lot of stuff these days, right? I mean, not these days, because it's been happening since the dawn of time, us versus them. And this can be tricky because it can turn into loathing it can turn into hatred, it can turn into jealousy, it can turn into a lot of really um, destructive thought patterns. And we create mind prisons, essentially. Uh, it really reminds me of, if you're familiar with tarot, I am a tarot reader, there are these specific cards in the swords, the suit of swords, that kind of lead us to this mental prison where we experience reality through this lens of like, okay, look at all these other people doing this and it's happening to me. Their actions, their behaviors are harming me and it's, they're the problem. They're the problem. Whatever it is they're doing is causing me to feel this distress within me. And sometimes that's true, right? In abusive situations, in, when people are acting in bad ways, bad behavior does occur and people do things that are harmful and hurt people that's true. Uh, but, but in the us versus them mentality, we can get into these traps where everything that the other people do that fall into the them category, we fall into that trap of they're the problem and we know the right way to do things. And that's not necessarily true. Of course, I believe that not drinking alcohol is the right thing because it is so bad for you in every way. Any study that has come out has that has shown alcohol in a positive light has been proven to have been funded uh, and, and manipulated by powers that would like to see alcohol in a good light and then spread that to you know, the masses that will only read the headline and not dig deeper, like a glass of red wine is equal to an hour at the gym or whatever that stupid study was. And people read that. People like me, when I was in active addiction, I read that and I was like, fuck yeah, I love red wine. Let's keep it going. I guess I'm going to the gym 10 times today because that's how many glasses I'm going to have. Like, and that's all you read, right? You don't dig deeper. You just take the permission. All we want is permission. And so once we get it, we take it. And why would we, especially if we are addicted to something, the smallest sliver of permission keeps us on that addictive track. We want to keep doing the thing that we're doing because it feels good. Or it becomes this thing it's no longer feeling good. It's just creating 
an absence of pain, which are different things. You hear me? It's like, I'm not sure if you've read this book called Red Rising by Paul Brown. It's a trilogy. And it's this hierarchical, post-apocalyptic space odyssey. It's really good. That's very, very well written. It's super entertaining. I highly recommend it. I'll put it in the show notes. And they have this structure where all these people are different colors. So you have at the very bottom of the hierarchy, the reds. And they live underground on Mars and they mine for something. I can't remember what it is. They're mining for this really dangerous thing under the ground and they never see the light of day and and they don't even, they're, they're yeah. So, but then you have this other level uh, called pinks and the very highest level is golds. And they have all these other ones like like browns and obsidians and, and all these other things. But uh, the pinks, when they are created, have this thing built into them that makes them feel pain all the time unless they're pleasuring someone else. They're like essentially sex workers within this structure. And if they are serving or performing uh, sexual acts or providing any sort of pleasure for someone else, the pain stops. The thing, whatever within them is like toggled off. And during this act or during providing service of any kind, they they don't feel the pain anymore. And that's what I'm reminded of with addiction. It's no longer something that elevates and makes things shinier and brighter and, and more pleasurable it's gets to this point where our life is so either painful, stressful, drab, uh, overwhelming, whatever it is, uh, whatever it is that's going on for you, that the addictive substance, when we use it, gives us relief. And that is not the same thing as feeling good. It's not the same thing as feeling good. And maybe you've experienced this, but when you quit that thing that's been killing you, at first you're going to just be without that thing that provides you relief. And you'll look around and you'll see all of these people still having drinks on patios and going to house parties with their friends and celebrating their son's graduation with his first beer, camping and doing drinking games around the campfire and all these things. I could name a million things that were part of what I did and who I was when I was in addiction. And you'll see all these people who are still doing that and you'll wonder what the fuck is wrong with me. Why can't I live in that fantasy world anymore? But you woke up, right? You woke up and you can see all the moving pieces now. You can see, whoa, oh my God, like I, this was designed to keep me in it. This was designed to keep me sick. 
everything, all the propaganda in in media and and in commercials and how it tricks us into thinking that alcohol makes our lives better. We can see it. We can see, like, we weren't stupid. We're not dumb. We're not idiots. We're not sheeple, okay? I really hate that term because I don't think any of us are these blind followers who are basically just little animals with animal brains that can be led by some shepherd. Like, that's not who we are. We're intelligent creatures with higher levels of understanding. All of us. Everyone. And we weren't just blindly following, okay? When you add an addictive element into it, it, it it's not blind following. It's, at this point in time, it's like coercion. It's knowing that this is a very harmful substance and playing off the fact that people struggle in life. And we all have hardships. And if you take into consideration a lot of other things like um, the weight loss industry and the fitness industry and how their entire shtick is playing off of our need to be, to look a certain way, to feel good in our bodies diet industry oh my god like all of it it's all this like we've just been tricked that there's something there's something wrong with us and we need to chase whatever it is that they're selling to us in order to be complete and that is not true we are already complete so when you're looking at these other people who are who are still you know quote unquote asleep you might want to rejoin them. And that's a very, very natural, natural response when we see these people who who just seem to be enjoying life. And I would like to remind you that just because on the outside it looks like they're enjoying life and it's so simple and they don't even have to question the fact that they're having this uh, drink on a patio with their friends, that might not be true. You know, this is just the outside that you're seeing. and. They're only they're they're only showing you what what they want to show you. You know, when they go home, there might be a different story. There there might be something else going on, and there might not be as well. You know, like we can't just assume that everybody is like secretly struggling because then that this becomes this trap that I also fell into, which was they don't know yet but they're addicted. And, and that was a narrative that I kind of perpetuated a little bit. Um, I tried not to proselytize, (laughs) we're so hard to say, proselytize sobriety, but I did. And I would see like even people who, who were still, you know, wrapped up and going to wineries and even me saying like wrapped up, I'm not even sure if that's really (laughs) the right language here because people have free will. People are allowed to do whatever, like if they want to drink alcohol, they can drink alcohol. And that should not be um, 
my role to be casting judgment on them. Because when I start casting judgment on them, I see them as uh, us versus them, right? I'm sober and I'm walking this awesome new life and I, I can see all that toxicity for what it was. Let me show you the way. You don't know it yet. You're asleep. Let me wake you up. You don't know it yet, but you have been conditioned by society and you are asleep. You are a sheep. And I am going to wake you up to this new reality that's actually the truth, which is just like, <laughs> I might as well just be one of the other um, influencing things within our, our, the puppet master realm of our society if I want to play that weird like shepherd role. I am not a shepherd because there are no sheep. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm not I'm not a shepherd because there are no sheep. The ego is such a big part of addiction and addiction recovery. It's there to protect us, right? So when we start seeing other people as if they're living wrongly, if they are making the wrong decisions in our mind, the ego is at play. And the ego is saying, look at them, they're doing this. I can't believe they're still feeding into this cycle of shenanigans. And I can't believe they don't understand like just how bad this is for them. And, and you know, they have to be careful and, and all this stuff. And like, that might be true, but it's not our role to, to tell other people how to live and what choices to make. That's a huge part of the recovery journey. Like, and I've said that before, if I, I wanted somebody to come in and save me, right? I wanted someone to come and rescue me from this shit cycle I was in. And that's just not how it works. You have to make the decision to get better. You have to make the decision to walk away from this thing that gives you relief from the pain. Because if we keep getting relief from the pain, we will never leave the pain. Does that make sense? If we're already always leaving the pain in this cycle of just relief, like these Band-Aid solutions, like alcohol is, at first, you know, it might have worked really well, but then it doesn't. And we got to get out of that. That's a cycle that will never end. We got we to gotta make the decision that, you know, there's, there's something better out there that will help us get out of this and, and to, to give us a life that's, that's more fulfilling and more beautiful and can be better than just relief from the pain. So if you notice that the ego is doing this thing, this us versus them thing, um, just recognize it. Notice when you're trying, when you're casting judgment on people who are still drinking or using your drug of choice or whatever it was, you know, like it's fine. You're going to be triggered by that. It's just going to happen. Um, recognize it, notice it, maybe journal about it. I wrote a poem about it when it happened. So that's just my process to try to get it out of my mind. And, you know, like there's a lot of poems in this Pick Your Poison volume two that are very much about my internal narrative and how I bit my tongue or, you know, I, I knew it was not 
going to work out if I were to say these things out loud or um, work through it. So a lot of a lot of this book is is about the internal process of of having kind of negative thoughts and and seeing them for for negative thoughts and allowing myself to process them and work through them in uh, a constructive manner, which was through poetry. And then again, through this podcast platform so that I don't harm people when I'm in a triggered state. And the ego, like the ego can be your friend, right? Ego should be your friend. And, and sometimes it gets a bit dramatic. Like, look at these people. Look how ridiculous they're being. And you want to just be like, fuck them, you know? And like, you might have, you might have to distance yourself from, from people because they might be too triggering at this moment and, and things will get better. Like right now, like I, I'm in a place, I'm four years sober and I'm hardly bothered by alcohol at all anymore. And, and you'll find that your edges will begin to soften. My therapist calls it going into the gray. I have very black and white thinking a lot of the time. I definitely suffer from that. And uh, there's very polarizing stuff in my mind that I have to actively work on softening. And like I, I visualize it as like my edges softening because I can be quite sharp and harsh at times because of my convictions and what I believe in. And especially when it has an emotional trigger point for me, especially around addiction or um, coercion or, uh, or misinformation, lies. I, I really have troubles with those. And that's just been a, a consistent theme for forever. I'm not even really sure where all of that comes from, but it doesn't really have to come from anywhere to recognize that at sometimes the harshness can be harmful. And the, but the harshness can also protect us. The sharpness can protect us. The ego can protect us because we've created this bubble of recovery around us. And sometimes we have to have our swords up in order to defend it because at this point, your sobriety is the most important thing. Staying sober is the number one priority and whatever is going to lead you to that, obviously you don't want to harm other people and please don't harm other people. Um, this is not permission to do that. But you got to have strong boundaries and, you know, there's stuff that you can't fuck with. you got to know what it is. What can't you fuck with? And let that, let your ego become the conductor of that. Give your ego a job assign it a job. And this came from Sark um, in her book, Succulent Wild Love, that she wrote with her husband. Um, his name is escaping me right now, but it's a book on relationships, specifically romantic ones, um, but also relationship to self and, and just kind of how to be a good partner to yourself and to others. And it's been revolutionary for me. I'll put it in the show notes as well. And If there's these aspects of yourself that are really judgmental, give them a name, uh, create a, like a personality and an image in your mind of what they look like, and then give them a job because if they're just running wild in your mind, they're going to, you know, go to task on, on anything and everything. But if you give them a specific job, 
it might just work. <laughs> so you can give your ego the job of protecting your sobriety and giving it the job of identifying the things that you cannot fuck with. And then it can alert you. And then you can use that information to decide how you want to behave, how you want to speak, how you want to communicate, how you want to act, all this stuff. And like where you want to go, which things you do and do not want to do. It's awesome. Um, there's this concept called South Star. I'm sorry if I've talked about it before. Uh, I feel like I've talked about it a lot, but maybe not on this platform. And it came... Uh, uh, it was introduced to me by Rob Bell on his podcast. He's got an episode on it, and I highly recommend listening to that episode. Um, it's about how we have this North Star in life where it tells us where to go, which direction to head. You know, it shows us the path. And he introduces this idea, this concept called a South Star, which is the opposite of the North Star. It's where you do not want to go. It's when you see people in real life of that are acting in ways that are really disruptive. And you just look at these people, like, let's say it's these people you see um, drinking on the patio. Maybe it's like your best friend and they're sharing uh, on Instagram posts about their alcoholic drinks and how much fun they're having with your other best friend. And you're feeling really left out. And you're like, oh, I wish my friends would just wake the fuck up. I wish they would just wake up and join me in this new this new paradigm, this new reality that I'm in. But like, you're actually in the same reality, both of you, right now, there's no other reality. So there's just perspective. So when you are seeing this and you're being triggered by it, you're feeling left out, you're feeling like you don't belong anymore. I get it. I get it. I feel like that. That's, I mean, I've seen the exact same thing on my Instagram and it's made me feel really bad. And so you have to say, to yourself, okay, well, what about this makes me feel really bad? And instead of, you know, demonizing your best friends in your mind and labeling them as the enemy and the, you know, you're, you're now, this is, this is something that I've really had to deal, deal with and, and, and come to terms with is that I'm, I'm putting my trigger onto my friends and saying it's my friends that are causing me to feel this way. And that's not true. <laughs> they, they, them and their actions are not the trigger. The trigger is the alcohol. And the fact that I was addicted to alcohol and I'm in recovery from alcohol. They're not doing it to me. They're not posting that to upset me. And they are... You know, they're just living their life, sharing their life in the way that they want to. And, you know, they shouldn't have to edit themselves and what they want to post just because maybe one person out there is going to be upset by it. I mean, it's always nice to be considerate and compassionate, but to edit yourself to the fact that you're not even yourself anymore, I would never want anybody to do that. Um, I have asked my friends not to tag me in like giveaways that include alcohol because I think that like, I don't want that. Of course, I don't want to participate in the giveaway that contains alcohol and the purpose of a giveaway, I say purpose, <laughs> the purpose of a giveaway is to gain followers for that account. That's why an account does a giveaway. You tag your friends, your friends see the post, they follow the account. It's, 
it's a marketing tactic, right? And like, so I don't want to follow an account that sells alcohol. It's just not what I'm going to be following. Unless they sell non-alcoholic drinks as well. Sure, I'll follow them. Thank you for being inclusive. So I look at this and I say, okay, I'm feeling super activated right now because my friends are doing something that I cannot participate in and the substance there is very triggering for me. I'm feeling very negative about this. Um, I'm not having a good reaction and I'm casting judgment. My friends, oh my God. And so I'm casting judgment and my ego is like, oh, look at them, they're the worst, oh my God. And so, but I can look at this in a self-star perspective. I can say, okay, well, what am I gonna do with this information? They're not doing this to hurt me at all. They're just literally going about their lives, which is totally fine. And so I can say, okay, well, in my own personal life, what, what can I do? Instead of just like hating them and demonizing them, we can turn it into an actionable step. Um, and how I can then act in ways uh, that, that put me on the path towards my North Star. And so we have this South Star idea. Um, and so I could say, okay, well, in my own personal actions, I will not post things that could be triggering to other people. Because I, I have a rule. I don't post about, um, I don't post alcoholic drinks. I don't post cannabis. Um, even though I use cannabis, I don't post about it because I know, and it has been actually triggering to me in the past when other people have posted about it. So I, I will not promote or exemplify the use of substances on my own social media. And that's my domain. So, um, like not like a website domain, but like, a this is, this is my territory. I, and I'm in control of what I post on there and that's all I'm in control of. And that's it. It's taking it back from the other people, this us versus them being focused on what other people are doing and then putting it back. Okay, well, what can I do so I can live in integrity and I can be the kind of person that I want to be and um, not be focused on casting judgment, but being focused on being the best version of myself that I can. And that's exactly what addiction recovery is all about. It's becoming the person that you were before you were addicted to something. It's about recovering who you really are. And so this is actually a a really great moment because it leads us to a deeper understanding of who we are. And again, (laughs) this is not like a victim blaming, uh, a spiritual bypass, emotional bypass moment. This is recognizing that, okay, this thing I'm upset about actually doesn't have anything to do um, with them. It has to do with me. Because, and, But you get to make that difference, right? You get to ask yourself, does this have anything to do with them? Or is it just about me? And sometimes it will be about other people. I'm not saying that everything is uh, like on you. That's not it. Um, yeah, it's not this like there are no victims thing. And and I've heard that flying around quite a bit and in a in a um criticized fashion, which I, I appreciate because I've definitely heard the opposite where you know you um you know that like there are no victims, meaning 
whatever happened to you, you manifested for yourself. You have an unconscious belief about yourself and attracted the abuse to come to you. Um, you attracted this bad behavior. You attracted this reality because of something you believe about yourself. And, and it puts all the onus on the individual, on the victim to, to take full responsibility, or even if it's like a portion of responsibility for what is happening. And that's not okay. <laughs> that's really fucked up. Um, because it completely excuses the abuse. And what? No, not gonna happen here. Nope. <laughs> but that's where, you know, discernment comes in. And you get to exercise that muscle of self-trust and instinct and gut reaction and just knowing when something really doesn't feel right and and then you get to explore it. It's like when we talked about in um, in the episode Transformation, which I believe was last episode, was you get to explore this discomfort. You get to to take it and look at it and and decide, okay, what information is here? And that's that's gonna happen a lot <laughs> in this recovery journey. There is so much information in the us versus them mentality. So that's another piece, not just the discomfort, but like when your mind goes to that place of the other people are at fault. The other people are doing this thing that I know better. I'm smarter. I'm more spiritual. My, I'm like, I've reached a higher level of consciousness than they have. No. No. That's just ego. Okay. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll close out with this poem one more time. I hope you'll join us at Club Study on Sunday, June 6th. It's going to be the first, uh, the first Sunday of every month, 1 p.m. Mountain Daylight Time. Or I guess it'll be Mountain Standard Time when we switch back. Mountain Time! <laughs> Here's the poem, Sheep Sleep. It is so much easier to be like them. It is so much easier to stay asleep. You must find a reason that feels better than the absence of pain. <laughs>